sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today, second hour of our show. What will we cover? Of course, week three of the NFL, DFS style. Jim Sanis will be with us a little bit later in the show. Are you looking for picks? Well, Howard Bender joins me coming up in about 15 minutes, and we'll tell you who we're leaning in the Westgate Super Contest this week. We started off 5-5, five and five, kind of try and get above 500 going into this week. And of course, Joe Pizapia and I will break down the rest, which Joe will include the final weekend of Major League Baseball's regular season. As we head to the postseason, people who are playing in season-long baseball or DFS baseball, it is put up or shut up time. And speaking of which, also put up or shut up time for the Boston Celtics tonight. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see if the uh, Celtics uh, can respond here. But uh, like you said, you know, this kind of weekend where we've got our focus on Sunday, it's always the same place, but I'm going to have an extra eye on the Major League Baseball season and see what's going on here and see which teams can kind of get in here. I really want to see the Reds in the playoffs. I've made no bones about that. I think it's great fun that we have an expanded playoffs. I think it's great fun that we have the Blue Jays in the playoffs right now, Craig. So for me, it's kind of like uh, eyes on football, eyes on college football kind of out of the corner of my eye, I'm looking at that Major League Baseball playoff picture because I think this expanded format is going to be very fun. I think it's going to have more eyeballs on it than people realize because they haven't had anything like this in quite some time. Have all these teams involved here? This is exciting stuff. Yeah, hopefully you need an extra eyeball, Joe. You think you mentioned three eyeballs there. I don't I've know. I've got the third one right here. Well, the third one. This find is my one. zen eyeball. One yeah. Here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here are our headlines for today as uh, the second hour of the show begins. The Heat can close out the Celtics tonight in game five. They would head to the NBA finals in Orlando if they end up winning this one. Game four, the Stanley Cup finals as well. Tampa Bay leads two to one in this one. Uh, Clark Schmidt, one of the top prospects for the New York Yankees, is going to start on Sunday. That follows Davey Garcia on Saturday. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. Uh, UTSA plays uh, Middle Tennessee State tonight. Middle Tennessee just got annihilated in their last game. And UTSA is a six and a half point favorite in the game tonight. Uh, also in baseball tonight, we're going to go over the standings in just a minute. But the Miami Marlins have a first time chance to make the postseason since 2003. If you're counting, that's 17 years. They'll have to do it in Yankee Stadium against the Yankees. Their starter tonight is Sandy Alcantara, who by his comments that he made yesterday appears up for this challenge. I, I don't face those guys, you know, and they don't face me, I think. We, I just, I think I just got to go outside tomorrow with my best stuff, you know, attack then, you know, I think they, they got to fight me a lot tomorrow. We're going to have like big fight tomorrow. Well, I mean, those certainly are competitive words and the, the Marlins had lost a lot of games going into those comments. So Sandy took uh, the game on his shoulders for tonight, uh, but certainly Miami, if they win tonight and win on Saturday, they are in the postseason. Their magic number is two. If they win tonight and the Phillies lose tonight, they're also in the postseason. So with the win last night, they control their own destiny. And Joe, let's take a look real quick at the postseason standings for the National League. American League's more or less... Uh, capped off here, but the NL still has a lot to play. The Cardinals lead the Central 2 position, 28-26. They can play Monday to get in if they need it. Doesn't look like Major League Baseball is going to make them play Monday if they don't. Marlins have the East 2 spot, 29-28. and 28. You mentioned the Reds. They would be wild card 1 at this point. They have an outside chance of catching St. Louis, but 
Again, Cardinals can play two games Monday and get them if they need to. And then the Giants, who epically lost in extra innings yesterday at 28 and 28, they were in the catbird seat. They are no longer there. Phillies at 28 and 29. Brewers now falling back 27 and 29. And if the Mets lose tonight, they're out. So, Joe, by the time we come back here uh, next week, we'll know exactly who's going to be in the postseason. Do you think it is Cardinals, Marlins, Reds, and Giants going into next week? I do. Corbin Burns' start got blown yesterday. Uh, The Brewers obviously had that injury. He left early with a hand problem, so that was uh, not good (laughs) for them. The Phillies' bullpen, I have no faith in. And the Mets' offense, I have no faith in. Or or really the pitching, or or really the bullpen, or really anything there, because I'm a self-loathing Mets fan. So, altogether, I think this is uh, where you're at. And uh, good on the Giants, man. There's a team that I think nobody saw coming, but I think the Giants have really put together a, a collection of guys that just go out there and play hard every day. They put up runs every day. The pitching is not great, but they're somehow able to be competitive. And I just give them a ton of credit, man. Even for 60 games with that lineup to be in consideration for the playoffs has been staggering for me. Yeah, they've really been one of the nice stories in baseball. And Gabe Kapler, who was just ripped for getting that job in San Francisco, you got to say he's done a good job. Uh, I think they're getting knocked out. I think the Phillies are going to make it. They have decided to throw Zach Wheeler on Saturday and Aaron Nola on Sunday. And uh, look, tonight's matchup is not good for them. They have Velasquez going up against Charlie Morton in Tampa Bay. Not the most optimal matchup for them, so I don't think that they're going to catch Miami, but I do think that they will catch the Giants this weekend and win both of those games Saturday and Sunday, which would give them the eighth seed for the wild card. All right, coming up next, it's time for us to take a deep dive into DFS as Jim Sanis is going to join us coming up here on the show. Now, there's a couple of things that you need to know for our show in particular. This weekend, we got you covered not only here on Fantasy Sports Today, but all throughout SportsGrid here on FST. As a matter of fact, our game day show on Sunday morning gives you the very latest as far as who to start, who to sit in fantasy. And then, of course, throughout the day Saturday and throughout the day Sunday, we're helping you make the best decisions as far as sports wagering is concerned. How do you find out more about all the things that we're doing here? It's real easy. Just go to sportsgrid.com, and our social media account is fantastic. You can follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid, of course, on Instagram as well. All of our hosts are posting content for you and giving you probably, I would say, the most educated tips that you can possibly have in order to make money. Speaking of which, Howard Bender will join us later on. We'll go over our Super Contest picks. How to make money in DFS? Jim Sanis will tell you next. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today, another daily fantasy sports week for us here, of course, on Sports Grid, and some great information over at NumberFire to help you win. And Jim Sanis joins us every single week here on the show to give you that edge and help you make some money, whether it's in the million-dollar tournament, a head-to-head GPP, however you decide to play. Last week, I finally won a little bit of money on FanDuel, put my five in, ended up with 10. I'm going to roll back in it this week, Jim. That's right. You got to you got to bankroll future weeks. And I think this is a pretty fun week, too, because there are two really good shootouts in the afternoon slate with Cowboys Seahawks. But then also we got Cardinals Lions. So I love games where I know the games I want to stack. Those two are pretty easy. So this is a fun slate, I think. 
Yeah, and and I think it's really interesting too because before we get into the dynamics of the games, the totals, just the Vegas totals, yeah. Jim. Uh, it is very clear this year that we're seeing that trend: more points, less penalties. I mean, for me, almost no defense at all in the NFL. I have people telling me I don't know what I'm talking about. There's going to be a lot of teams at the end of the year playing good defense. I see like two, and that's (laughs) it. And and so for me, it's like it's great that in terms of fantasy, DFS, and season-long leagues that we're finding these sleepers to score a lot of points. Oh, yeah, that's great. And then when you look across the other way, the other guy ended up scoring more points. So I I don't know what we can look at through two weeks of the NFL, but for me— it seems like points are just certainly plentiful this year. That's and the I think that what that means is we can't look at players based on their floors. We need players like I think my rule of thumb when it comes to wide receivers, though, is they need to be able to give me 85 yards or two touchdowns, one or the other, or else I can't consider them. For running back, I need the potential for them to score 20 points. If you can't give me 20 points on FanDuel, it's tough to, to score enough points to really push in tournaments. Like you can win a tournament with a one player in your lineup who gets you like 12 and a half points or whatever, but it just means you have to hit every single spot outside of that. So I want to give myself some wiggle room. So basically to me, I think the big implication of all these high totals is we need to score a lot of points. And that means I can't focus on floor. I see a lot of players who have paths to big games. Yeah, it's, that's a great point. And I, and I think that that was my failure last week when I, Pick Frank Gore. I knew he'd get me my eight or nine points. I got to be shooting for guys that are going to get me 20 points. Right. Safe is not winning money on FanDuel these days. Okay, so let's take a look at the quarterback situation. We always start off here, and let's let's hit it here. Uh, Russell Wilson, who's off to a great start, is 8,700 against that Dallas defense who has shown nothing. Prescott going against him on FanDuel is 8,500 against, yes, another defense that has shown nothing. Kyler Murray's been fantastic running the ball, throwing the ball. He takes on Detroit. Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills has yet to have a bad game. He plays against the Rams, 8,100. Deshaun Watson has had a very tough go of it, but has played Kansas City and Baltimore. He's at Pittsburgh this week for 8,000. Matt Ryan, if you if you used him at all, you'd be very happy. But, wow, he's down to 7,800 this week against the Bears. I guess some strong belief in that Bears defense. And then Cam Newton, clearly off the week last week in Seattle, there is a belief again that he's coming close to at least what he used to be again against this Las Vegas Raiders team that I, yeah, 2-0 team, but not so sure that they deserve to be 2-0, uh, especially in that week one game against Carolina. So when you look at quarterback this week, Jim, Certainly, we've had a couple of issues with Garoppolo's iffiness for the game, and Denver has their quarterback issues as well. Those would be the lower end. Is there anyone that piques your interest on the higher end? To me, it's the four guys in the two shootouts. So that would be Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Matthew Stafford. I think Matthew Stafford, if you want to jump down, he's $7,300, should be getting Kenny Galladay back this week. And if you look back to last year, the Lions played six games when Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Danny Amendola were all healthy, and uh, Matthew Stafford was healthy. And Stafford was among the best quarterbacks in football for that six-game span. He threw the ball deep. He threw the ball efficiently. And that's what you want. He's also playing in doors this week facing a defense that's looked better this year for sure they've looked a lot better than they did last year but i think they've got a tough test so i would say any of those four quarterbacks are going to be really good options for this week my favorite is probably kyler murray you mentioned the rushing uh and rushing is so big for fantasy because it gets you a good floor but it also makes it easier to unlock your ceiling so if i had to pick one i'm probably going kyler 
But I really think you can't go wrong with any of those four quarterbacks in those two shootouts out West. Yeah, that's a good one mentioning Stafford, too, because the Lions, uh, once again this year, uh, seem to be blowing a lot of leads, and Stafford could be having to bring the team back in the fourth quarter. We've seen that already twice this year. Uh, okay, let's go over to the running back position. We know the issues that are out there with no McCaffrey and no Barkley, so this is going to have to be a little bit of digging, especially on your running back, two this week. But let's focus on the higher-priced guys, and then you can give us some pretty good sleepers for the week. Zeke is at 9000 against Seattle. He's the top guy at this point left. Dalvin Cook against Tennessee, 8,600. Josh Jacobs has been a strong play two weeks in a row at New England for 8,300. Derrick Henry, always a good play at 8,200. Nick Chubb against the Washington football team, 7,800. We saw how much they ran the ball last Thursday. Chris Carson against the Cowboys, catching balls out of the backfield and scoring. Didn't see that coming. 7,700 for him. And then Austin Eckler peeks into our top running back priced players. And certainly, Jim, the Panthers have had... (laughs) A tough time stopping anybody on the air or in the ground this year. But Eckler, of course, has a little competition there in Kelly. So uh, what do you like at running back this week? I think for me, this is where the upside question comes into play because you have guys like Jarek McKinnon and Mike Davis at the bottom end who are going to play and they have low salaries, but I'm not sure the ceiling, especially for McKinnon with Jeffrey Wilson Jr. potentially getting touchdowns there for San Francisco. So I think this is a good week to still spend the mid and high range at running back. My top three running backs for this week are Jonathan Taylor at $6,700, Miles Sanders at 74, and then Zeke Elliott in that shootout at $9,000. I feel very firm in putting those three guys at the top my list. I think Kenyon Drake is number four. He's gotten off to kind of a, a slow start so far this year. He's been losing some passing down work to Chase Edmonds. A little bit annoying, but we saw what Aaron Jones did to this Detroit defense last week. So if you want a running back in that Detroit versus uh, Arizona game, which you should, you should want players in every position in that game. I think that Kenyon Drake is a pretty fun way to get there. I think it does fall off a bit after those four guys. I think that Derrick Henry is a good bounce back spot here because the Vikings defense has just been atrocious so far this year. But I think I feel very good about putting Taylor Sanders Zeke at the top of my list and then going Kenyon Drake at four. I also do like Chris Carson as well. As you mentioned, those those catches are worth a lot on FanDuel despite it being a half PPR site. We still want running backs running catch passes. Yeah, no doubt. Taylor has been uh, really good and we are waiting on Kenyon Drake and wondering whether or not what he did last year with Arizona was legit because we certainly haven't seen it yet. Okay, let's move over to wide receivers and uh, Hopkins leads the way at 8,500 followed by Ridley who has been an MVP in fantasy thus far at 8,000. Godwin looks like he's back against Denver 7,900. Uh, Julio Jones will have to wait for Sunday, but he's 7,800 there. Evans, 7,700. He's in. You mentioned Galladay. Looks like he's back against Arizona at 7,500. Adam Thielen at 7,200. I certainly have a feeling we're going below this to pick a couple guys this week, Jim. Yeah, I think you just blindly click whoever is in that Seattle-Dallas game. Like, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are amazing plays. Lockett, $6,800. Metcalf, 65 Sign me up for both. But then Mark Cooper, 7000 Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb, a little bit on the lower end. I'd expect Lamb to be among the most popular plays this week. So I think that if you're looking for a pivot off of that game, Deshaun Jackson is in a pretty good bounce-back spot. No Jalen Rager this week from Philadelphia, which means Deshaun Jackson will probably get fed. And if you can guarantee me nine targets of Deshaun, John Jackson against a Bengals defense that has looked pretty rough so far this year. I'm going to feel pretty good about that. So to me, it revolves around that Seattle Dallas game, but I would say the, the players in the Arizona Detroit game are pretty solid. Deandre Hopkins, obviously Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, but then Deshaun Jackson as a pivot. I know it's been rough so far, but I'm going to go back to the well one more time and see if he can hit on Sunday. 
Yeah, and, and look, Jeffrey's back, but that shouldn't really matter because he's the deep threat, there's no doubt. Uh, at tight end, just real quick, uh, with a minute to go, Jim, um, you know, Schultz, I know, gave tremendous outcome on what his value was last week. Waller seems to be giving you value. doesn't matter what they price him at. Is there a specific tight end for you this week that you're going with? Dallas Goddard's really fun. He's $5,200, getting a lot of work for Philadelphia right now. Uh, I think that his salary is just too low, but I also like the matchup. Uh, no Jalen Rager should open up some additional targets for Goddard as well. So I think Goddard, from a low salary perspective, pretty good. Mo Alley-Cox is also pretty low salaried. Then if you want to go really low at $4,300, Dan Arnold has been running a, a lot of routes for Arizona. Pretty interesting athletic guy. So I think Arnold at 43 is interesting, but my favorite guy for this week is going to be Dallas Goddard. 52 is just, it's not expensive enough for what he's been doing so far. Yeah, I mean, I've been trying to make an Arizona tight end good for 10 years. <laughs> I'm just waiting for one of these names right. all through the years to, to, uh, to actually happen. They certainly have had their share of talented guys, there's no doubt. Yeah. Hey, Jim, thank you again once again, all as always, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. I'll be taking your advice this week and setting my lineup on FanDuel. Thanks again for coming on. Good luck, Craig. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, Jim Sanis with us. Follow him on Twitter at Jim Sanis. Check out his great work over at Number Fire. We'll take a quick time out on Fantasy Sports today. We'll go through the Las Vegas Super Contest lines in just two minutes with Howard Bender. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It's time now to check out the lines on the Las Vegas Westgate Super Contest. Of course, me and my buddy Howard Bender, the man with the plan over at Fantasy Alarm and WagerAlarm.com. We got our money where our mouth is. We're in the Super Contest yet again this season. We started off 3-2 and two in Week 1. We went 2-3 and three in Week 2, but we are back on the horse again this week, hoping to have some better success and not take the Philadelphia Eagles. Yuck, that's for sure after week one. Howard, great to see you again here on this Friday. How are you? Thanks for having me again, Craig. Always a pleasure. Yeah, let's stay away from the Eagles. And uh, I don't necessarily know how much I want to dive into some of these teams that have just been decimated by injuries this week. Yeah, that, that's always the key point is finding the spread. And the other part of this, too, is that by the time the weekend comes, the lines move. But for those of you who play in the Super Contest, you should know if you don't. They come out on Wednesday. And that's the line, no matter what happens. So we don't submit our picks until Saturday night. And you can watch Howard and I over on the Wager Alarm live stream on YouTube or over at Wager Alarm or FantasyAlarm.com. Okay, Howard, so let's move forward. From a 2-3, and three, we're going to go 5-0 and oh this week. Let's take a look at the first four games on the board and start to talk about some potential leans we may have for Saturday night. We start off, of course, with New England minus 6.5 against the Las Vegas Raiders. Buffalo is a 2.5-point favorite against the Rams. We have the Steelers minus 4 against Houston. And San Francisco, speaking of decimated teams, on the road for the second straight week at the New York Giants. And of these games, Howard, the two games that seem to intrigue me a little bit, and we could start off with the latter with San Francisco and uh, New York. Now, San Francisco, Howard, as you know, didn't travel back to San Francisco. They stayed in New York. But you know who did travel back to San Francisco? Well, Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman. Not, we're not sure about Kittle. We don't know about the quarterback situation there. And unfortunately for the Giants, they lost their top running back. But the Giants showed some fight against the Bears last week. Do we think that maybe there's some more fight this week? Can they cover this? 
You know, there just might be. There's a lot to do. Nick Bosa also flew back to San Francisco. Uh, that's a, a major effect on the defensive line and the pass rush for the uh, for the 49ers as well. Uh, you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo possibly being out, which seems likely that Nick Mullins will be under center. You know, one of the things that you and I have talked about uh, in previous days and on the uh, on live streams, the Giants have uh, have been without Saquon Barkley quite a bit over yeah. the last couple of seasons. So. The question is, is is that going to impact their performance here or are the losses on San Francisco that much more telling? We also know that Kyle Shanahan is not happy with the turf there at MetLife Stadium, and that could actually get him to hold out George Kittle uh, for another week. So uh, this one here kind of feels like it's going to be a, a, a run heavy scheme with a lot of Jeff Wilson and Jarek McKinnon for the 49ers. The Giants are going to be throwing a bunch because. Well, let's face it, it's Deion Lewis and Wayne Gallman. So, you know, I, I think that the Giants and the points uh, are going to surprise a lot of people here. And I think that's where we're leaning. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is that when you lose a Barkley, when you lose a McCaffrey uh, and your team is a favorite, yeah, it's hard to lean on that team. But when you're an underdog and you're looking for the back door, you're just looking for any little dude to catch the ball and run and give you that back. <laughs> I mean, we, we don't really need those main guys in the games. As underdogs, as favorites, yes, that's another story. Carolina's favored in a game this year, and they don't have Christian McCaffrey. They can't run the ball out. They can't run the clock down. They can't win the game. Uh, real quick on Houston, too. I mean, Houston, are they getting a raw deal here, getting getting this many points? Big Ben didn't look really good in week one. Houston had to play against Kansas City and Baltimore in the first two weeks of the season. I feel like this line's a little high. Yeah, they really they drew a rough uh, rough draw here in the uh, in the beginning of the season with Baltimore, Kansas City, and listen, Pittsburgh's defense is rock solid. But you know we're looking for a four point cover here. You're right, Big Ben did not look good. There were there were he just didn't have zip on the ball. Uh, it is a strong offense, but you know listen, I think that that Houston with their pass rush they can kind of rattle him a little bit. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see if this is one of those games where Deshaun Watson, everybody's down on him because of his week two performance, that he turns around and he runs a couple in and he takes over a game the way we've seen him do. We were in a very similar situation to this last year, I remember. Uh, and in the bounce back game, we actually took Houston uh, and Deshaun Watson ended up lighting it up for four touchdowns and he ran in a fifth. So. Uh, I wouldn't mind taking Houston here, uh, just given the uh, the nature of uh, of the underdog. Yeah, and there's no question who needs the game more. Houston needs the game more than Pittsburgh. Right. Okay, let's look at the next four games on the slate here. We got Tennessee at Minnesota, Cleveland against Washington. Cleveland is laying seven this week after their win against Cincinnati. They did not cover, by the way, that game. Wow, they made the Eagles five-point favorites again, <laughs> despite what happened last <laughs> week against the Cincinnati Bengals. And then the Atlanta Falcons play against the Chicago Bears, who are undefeated. And certainly when I look at these two games, I hate taking favorites. I really do. I like taking dogs. But Cleveland and Atlanta stand out to me a little bit. Uh, Washington, I, I feel Howard may. We may have seen their best football already in week one. They looked like a shell last week and went back to what we thought that they would be. And, and Atlanta is a tough team. I, I feel like we don't win very often when we take Atlanta. There's going to be a point we're going to take them this year and lose. So I'm not really sure on that one, but certainly I don't mind just continuing to fade the Bears until they show who they are. Yeah, I don't mind fading the Bears. I think our, our problem is the Falcons uh, as a favorite. Falcons as an underdog with the way they throw uh, tends to be a, an intriguing one. I like the Browns. Uh, as long as they uh, they get that run game steady the way they did it here against Cincinnati. Now, it's a little bit better of a run defense, a better front seven for Washington. 
But you're right. I mean, the focus is definitely on the pass rush. A uh, guy like Chase Young getting into the backfield. So, you know, worries me a little bit about Baker Mayfield. I don't necessarily know if I love this game. I'd lean Browns. Okay. Uh, but out of these four games, I, I kind of almost feel like the Bengals, you know, with the five <laughs> points that they're getting against the Eagles. How bad have the Eagles looked? They've looked really bad. And Doug Peterson's getting a lot of flack uh, publicly about it. And, you know, they just they lost Jalen Rager for for, you know, until week nine with a torn UCL in his thumb. I mean, it's really that's not something that's going to shift the line. But Carson Wentz hasn't looked good. The offensive line hasn't looked good. It, it curious that they've that they're a five point favorite based on how bad they looked against the Rams last week. But maybe this is just Vegas selling us uh, on, on the Bengals actually not being. Be. As yeah. strong of an offense as maybe we think they are. Yeah, and, and part of it, too, remember with the Eagles, they fumbled on the first possession with Sanders. Wentz did throw an interception in the end zone. The game could have been a lot closer, mm -hmm. and and there's a little bit of an overreaction going on with that game. We'll talk about that more on our, our live stream on Saturday night. All right, let's move to the next set of games. A lot of people are going to take the Colts in their suicide pick this week. if they Unless they took them, of course, in Jacksonville week one, they'll play the Jets, and I would expect them to win. But we, we in general, Howard and I, don't take the big favorites almost ever. We just we just simply don't. Uh, Chargers minus six and a half against Carolina. They haven't been this big a favorite in a game in a while, that's for sure. Arizona minus five and a half against Detroit. Arizona did prove last week that they can take out uh, a pretty bad team like they did in Washington and win handily. They, they showed me something. Tampa Bay is minus six on the road at altitude in Denver, where Denver always plays so well. It doesn't matter if Bubby Brister is the quarterback. They always play well there. <laughs> and then Seattle against Dallas. Dallas, as we know, horrible as a favorite, great as a dog. To me, that's one way that I'm leaning this week. I, I just That Seattle defense didn't look good for me, Howard. And when you need the 12th man and the yelling at the end of the game, you ain't going to get it this year. So... I get the sense Seattle may win that game, but I think Dallas does exactly what they did last week against Atlanta. They don't stop Seattle, but they don't get stopped either. Yeah, I, I mean, I really I, I agree with you. I think it can be uh, inside there, inside a field goal for that game. Um, you know, I'll be gun shy a little bit just about touching Dallas. But, you know, <laughs> nevertheless, um, out of those games, though, uh, you know, some of the intriguing ones. Believe it or not, I'm taking the, the Colts in my suicide pool everywhere. But this is also... You know, this is just one of those games where the Jets, I mean, I, I think I, I might want to take the Jets and the points here. 11 points is a lot to give. Philip Rivers didn't look that great. I know. How can they be such a big favorite? I agree with because you. Because the Jets are atrocious, but this is just the type of game that Adam Gase somehow pulls out of, you know, his posterior. And uh, and and suddenly the Jets, who, uh, who should be tanking for Trevor Lawrence at this point, um, are going to end up backdooring into five wins somehow this season and end up with like the seventh pick overall. And I think that this is a prime spot where I think we can uh, actually look to the Jets and take 11 points. Yeah, no, it's uh, get, getting big points like this in the NFL is usually a win. It's more it's more a win than it is a loss. It's just the way that it works. The separation for teams in the NFL usually isn't that great. And it's not like the Colts are the Ravens or they are Kansas City. Right. I mean, you mentioned it. They have Rivers there. And and Rivers, it, it would be surprising to me, honestly, to see Rivers back next year. I, I just haven't seen anything from him yet. All right. Speaking of which, the Saints have some a uh, little bit of troubling issues, it looks like, with Drew Brees. He hasn't looked this sharp. He's a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest of all time. But 
is Father Time knocking? I think you have to ask that question. They play Green Bay minus uh, sun, minus three on Sunday night. And then Baltimore and Kansas City, the Ravens are minus three and a half in the Super Contest. It's three in some spots, but I just want to watch that game on Monday night, Howard. I, I don't know that I want to get involved. I feel like it's going to go right down to the end, and it's a coin flip game for me. Just two great teams. I think with the talk that Jameis Winston is uh, lurking behind Drew Brees, I think there are a lot of problems that the Saints have. Their defense, very, very uh, mistake-prone so far. A lot of penalties going on there. I know that we said regression for the win total for Green Bay. I don't necessarily know if this is the time to to work on that. I actually might lean towards them in the points, even in the Superdome. Yeah, I, I see it the same way, and, and I, I'm with you. I, I think that the Packers still probably win their nine games or maybe even their ten games, but they had to come back a little bit from last year, but they haven't shown it yet. The, the question that you have to ask is the teams that they played thus far this year, uh, is this Green Bay being great, or is this just the fact that the two teams they've played are just falling apart at the seams? I mean, it very well could be the case. We'll, we'll sure. just have to see, because Detroit and Minnesota, I don't know what is going on with either of those two teams. <laughs> they terrible. Look, they look horrible. <laughs> All right, uh, Howard, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. You and I will make our final picks on Saturday night. We'll go from leans to selections, so I look forward to catching up with you again then. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, Craig. Always a pleasure. All right, follow Howard on Twitter, at RotoBuzzGuy. Ask him any fantasy football question you like. He answers them all. He answers so many questions sometimes that Twitter shuts him down for a period of time because he's tweeting too much. Uh, we got to take a quick timeout here on Fantasy Sports today, but we'll come back with a little fantasy or reality. Make sure you stay tuned. Stay on the grid. This is Fantasy Sports Today. And we're back in just two minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Each and every week, a new millionaire is made on FanDuel. And last week, Charles Badalamente is the... I don't want to say lucky. I would say the very skilled individual who uh, took his hand over at the Million Dollar Contest and came out a very big winner. Charles, thanks so much for coming on Fantasy Sports today. How are you? Craig, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Glad to be on. Well, uh, Charles, let's uh, let's talk about how you uh, got involved, how long you've been playing daily fantasy sports, and, and what it took for you to win this contest. Yeah, so um, I got involved in DFS, I would say, uh, around 2015. Um, right around there, you know, started, you know, playing some tournaments um, and it kind of grew from there. Like I wasn't so serious about it at that point, but, you know, the more and more research I did, the more, you know, I, I learned the game and, you know, grew to appreciate the game um, and started taking it a lot more seriously. Now, uh, was this your first big win? Had you ever won a, a tournament such as this before? Oh, well, never a million dollars, but <laughs> um, I took down a few, um, you know, 10K, uh, 15K uh, in baseball and basketball, but never, you know, a seven-figure score like this. Yeah, a really amazing outcome. And and who and who was the key to your lineup that ended up uh, taking down the million for you? Uh, I mean, I would say that, like, the, the entire lineup itself correlated really well. I mean, if you just kind of look at it, I mean, a 3.2% Tyler Higby definitely helped out, mm -hmm. um, you know, scoring three touchdowns. And uh, Aaron Jones with, you know, 47 uh, was key at 11% ownership. Um, but I just think that the lineup was correlated really well. Like, I, you know, I had Dak cd um and ran it back with ridley uh but the funny thing about the lineup is that the initial build 
um, had Amari Cooper instead of Mike Evans in it. Mm. So that was the difference. That's what kind of propelled me from, you know, what would have been a 20, a 20th place finish to the top spot. Cause that was about a seven point difference. So, you know, if I would have left Amari Cooper in there, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah, no, really interesting how it happened. What was, uh, as we would call the sweat like in the final, let's say, hour? Oh, in, insane, insane. Did, um, did you see the end of the games, obviously? The case? Yes, I did. Uh-huh. Game? Uh-huh. Uh, well, at the end of that game, I'm praying for that game to end because my entire lineup was done at 1 o'clock. Oh. So, you know, once the 4 p.m. game started, uh, a lot of the teams that had um, Arizona defense automatically got the 10-point bonus, so that dropped me from first to about fourth or fifth. So what I needed, to, you know, I needed um, some scoring from Washington so those Arizona teams could drop back down. Um, so the first half of the Arizona-Washington game didn't look promising because Washington looked really flat, uh, but then they turned it up in the second half and they got, you know, a couple of touchdowns, which, you know, allowed those teams to drop and propel me into that first-place spot. Now, uh, Charles, you know, the question that we always ask for somebody who wins a million dollars and does it on the, on the FanDuel site certainly is, uh, I mean, this, it, it, for most people, this is life-changing money. And I would ask you what you planned on or plan on doing it with it when you win this kind of money. It's certainly uh, yeah. such an unbelievable thing. I, uh, I haven't figured that out yet. To be honest with you, a majority of it is still in my FanDuel account. Um, you know, I'll probably be um, withdrawing that pretty soon. But um no plans as of yet. I mean, I'm, I'm moving at the end of the month, so um, maybe I'll have a talk with the owner, see if he wants to sell the house. Um, and that's pretty much it. No plans yet. Uh, I have a, a second baby on the way, so it's going to definitely help with you know, a lot of the bills, but um, no immediate plans, to be honest with you. I know that's a boring answer, but it's the truth. Yeah, no, I understand. And, uh, you know, you're looking right there at Charles's lineup from uh, last week. What an, uh, what an amazing week he had. And Charles ended up taking down a million-dollar contest uh, on FanDuel. And uh, and I assume that you'll continue to play, Charles. And um, oh, I wish yeah, you all- um, yeah. We're going to try to go back-to-back. I don't know if anyone's ever done it um, in the same season. I know they've been two-time winners, but has anyone ever done it in the same year? I don't think so. Not as far as I know. So good luck. Good luck trying to be the first. Yeah, maybe we'll give that a shot before uh, Uncle Sam gets a gets a hold of his. <laughs> a great idea. Thank you so much, Charles, for coming on Fantasy Sports today. Really appreciate it, and uh, all the best of luck to you. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for reaching out. All right, uh, Charles Battlemente, the million dollar winner on FanDuel last week, and it just shows you anybody can win. You got to be skilled like Charles, but you also uh, can get it done if you head on over to the FanDuel DFS site. And pick your team this week. We got fantasy or reality coming up. And, of course, let's turn it over to Joe Pizzapia as he's got our first question of the day. The Los Angeles Dodgers were heavy favorites in the National League to win not only the National League, but maybe even win the whole thing going into the year. And they're closing the season so far. Seven of their last ten, they just got Walker Bueller back. And the Dodgers look pretty formidable right now in the National League. They have been the favorites forever. They've been the favorites basically before and during. The question is, are they the favorites now? So let's play a little fantasy reality here. Craig Mish, are the Dodgers still, in your opinion, the favorites in the National League? or? 
Is there a team that could be really spunky like the Cincinnati Reds with those pitchers or maybe another upstart team that might be able to dethrone them? Craig, I'm going to put the question to you. Fantasy reality. What do you think of those Dodgers? Yeah, reality. Dodgers are still the favorites to win the NL. They're still the favorite to me to win the World Series. It's interesting. A few days ago, I would have said that the Padres would have been the one team in the NL that potentially could give the Dodgers fits. And then when Clevenger got hurt, kind of have to walk that back a little bit because they're going to need three really solid starters to get it done. Uh, Denelson Lamette has been great. I think Paddock has a chance to be really good. But you really need Clevenger there, too, whether he's the three or the four. And I don't know that they're going to have him, at least in the first round. Remember, that's only a three-game series. So uh, I'm going to say reality, Dodgers are still the favorites in the NL. And again, with the one seed, at this stage, they're either getting the Giants or the Phillies, most likely, as the eight. And both of those teams are sort of backing in regardless. So uh, I'll say yes, they are still the favorites. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to agree. They still are. Uh, I'm very excited about the prospect of a series, though, between them and the Reds. That gets me really excited as a baseball fan because you could potentially have Kershaw, Walker Bueller, Trevor Bauer, Castillo, Sonny Gray, all of those pitchers in one series. That would be fantastic baseball. That would be must-see baseball. I would love to check that out, and I'm hoping that that's a series we end up getting at some point uh, down the line. All right, continuing on here for a little fantasy reality, let's talk about a huge marquee matchup going on Monday Night Football. Man, I don't remember a Monday Night Football game in a while that I was this excited about. You've got the reigning, defending, undisputed champions of the world, the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Now, this one is in Baltimore, of course. The Ravens looking to kind of get back on track after a very disappointing end to their season last year. There's no doubt about that. They've started off pretty well here. Uh, And a lot of people are saying, well, this is going to be the foregone conclusion. They're the two best teams in the AFC. So I'm going to ask you, Craig, is it a foregone conclusion? Is it going to be just this clean? Baltimore is a big favorite, obviously, in their division. Kansas City, same thing. Is this basically a preview of the AFC Championship game? Is it a foregone conclusion, Craig, fantasy or reality? Yeah, big fantasy here. You can't do this this early in the season and think that teams at this stage, you could know who's going to play in the championship. We could have played this game last year. No one had Baltimore losing to Tennessee. It wasn't particularly close. The Titans dominated. Something could happen to the Chiefs. It could be an injury. They could just have one game in the playoffs. I'm going to say fantasy, not the AFC Championship this year. We always get a sleeper team, Joe, and I don't think that that's going to change. Maybe KC gets in, maybe Baltimore, but no, not both. Fantasy for me. I 100% agree with you. Mark this down. It's never this clean. It's never this simple. Yes, on paper, everything looks like it's the predetermined outcome of the AFC Championship game, but it just never seems to work out that way. Some team gets red hot. I mean, look at last year what Tennessee was able to do. I think that Pittsburgh Steeler defense is going to have a lot to say about a lot of things, and who knows if Cam Newton... And the New England Patriots continue to play this well. Maybe, just maybe, they get better as the year goes on. And who knows? Much to the chagrin of everybody else, maybe they're back in things as well. But we'll we'll find out. Now, this morning, I, I have a confession to make, Craig. I, I got up this morning, and I, I know we've officially this week turned the page from summer into fall on the calendar. I understand kids go back to school. Yeah, yeah, it feels like fall. But it's not officially fall until the calendar says so. And I got up this morning and I felt like I'm going to make some pumpkin chocolate chip pancakes. That's right. I feel like it's fall. It's pumpkin season here in the Pisa Pia house. And uh, maybe I'm I'm just a basic white girl when all is said and done. And I want my pumpkin spice lattes and my pumpkin this and my pumpkin that. Now, Craig, I'm going to ask you. It's fall. And now that it is, 
will you embrace everything being pumpkin or are you one of these people that thinks that pumpkin spice anything basically tastes like potpourri in your mouth? Yeah, I, I don't have pumpkin at all, ever, nothing. It, and, and again, it's not that I love or hate it. I'm just not a big pumpkin guy. I will, before the 31st of October, I assume, go get a pumpkin or two for my kids and my family. And, and I don't know what we'll do as far as trick-or-treating. Uh, sometimes I will have the seeds from the pumpkin, but beyond that, Joe, I am not a huge pumpkin latte spice. Uh, I, I like a pumpkin pie once every three or four years, but in general, yeah, three or four I'm years. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. What, what, what do you like? The equinox? Like you come early, like a comet, you, you circle around the earth every, phone. uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. What a, I, every, what a every three thing. or four years. Yeah, that's what I do. Like, yeah, just yeah. one slice of pumpkin pie every three or four years. Wow, that's that's, uh, that's crazy. And that and that's and you're like, I'm good. I'm good. You know what? Kids can go through all the way through high school again, and then when they graduate, then uh, then I'll uh, then I'll try one one slice of pie. That's it. That's uh, I gotta have one slice of a pumpkin pie. You know, every holiday season, I think at Thanksgiving, I gotta have the one slice of pie. I like the pie sampler. I like to have a little piece of the pumpkin, a little piece of the apple. Nobody makes the pecan anymore. I miss the pecan. That's not good for you at all. That's like the worst of the pies, potentially. So oh, do you like the fall foods? Do you like the sweet potato stuff or or the squash? Or you go for anything like that? Or you're just you're not a you're not a, a seasonal menu type of fella, it feels like. No. Yeah, you know, you know what they say? I, I heard this somebody make this statement before, and I think it does apply to me. Some people live to eat, others other people eat to live. And when I heard that many years ago, I thought, wow, that really applies that applies to me. Eat to live. I don't live to eat. And what's what's in my house, my wife is so careful and and cooks all organic stuff. And it's not fun mm -hmm. all the time, but that's kind of how we're doing it here and how we have done it. Now, when I leave the house, give me a pizza, give me an ice cream. And believe me, I'll bring it. I'll go get my own pizza, bring it home and eat it. Maybe the kids will have it one night. And of course we'll have Italian food. And the other night we had Italian food for the first time in six months. We actually ordered and brought it in. Uh, but in general, all this other stuff, yes, Thanksgiving, yes, the holidays, no doubt. But I am, uh, I'm, I'm more of a, when I'm outside, I'm taking advantage of these things that we're talking like the Popeye's chicken sandwich and all those other things. But inside the house, we just don't have it. I <laughs> just don't it's very funny because I hear all these stories where you're always saying I'm in my car eating this or I'm on the way. It is funny. I, I do picture you kind of hiding away in the car. You know, like you said, you used to go pick up the kids from school, you know, when kids used to go to school. I remember that. But yeah, it was uh, it was always like Bish was just kind of quietly trying this, never bring home, never letting anybody say this. I think that's it. All right. Well, uh, we'll take a quick time out here on Fantasy Sports Today, and we'll be back with a lot more. So make sure you stay tuned. We've got the Sports Grid 60 coming up. I'm Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia. Make sure you stay on the grid because we got a lot more coming for you later today. we got in-game live as well as Scott Farrell going coast to coast. So uh, stay tuned to us if you want to catch us every day, 12 to 2, noon to 2 on the East, over on Sports Grid and SportsGrid.com. Our final thoughts are next as we take care of the Sports Grid 60 before we send you off for the weekend. By the way, uh, Joe will be flying solo here on Monday due to the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur. I will be taking the day off. But we'll be back after this.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today with you here as we get ready to wrap it up here on this Friday. Of course, a big weekend of sports ahead. We got the Southeastern Conference and college football back on Saturday. We close in on the Major League Baseball postseason in 2020. I know, Joe, you got a big show planned for Sunday morning, game day, 8 a.m. Eastern, right here on Sports Grid. So let us know what's on the show and then give us your Sports Grid 60. Yeah, absolutely. Eric Young, Matt Stryker, and myself all be there 8 a.m. breaking down the FanDuel slate and your season-long starts and sits and all the news and notes that you need to be successful in all your fantasy endeavors on Sunday. So, unfortunately, four years ago today, uh, the Major League Baseball world lost uh, one of its great young stars, Jose Fernandez. I was on air live on this very network when it happened, and I could not believe what was going on. And I can't imagine what the last four years might be like had we had him in the major leagues. How good was Jose Fernandez? Well, you go back and look at that season, 250 strikeouts and 180 innings, an ERA of 286 and 16 wins. The guy was absolutely phenomenal. He was lights out, and we hadn't even seen possibly the peak of what Jose Fernandez was capable of. It's sad that the baseball community lost one of its bright shining stars, and it's sad that some people lost their lives that day. And it's amazing to think about right now what we could have been seeing from the career of Jose Fernandez had he lived. Yeah, there's uh, there's no doubt. And when Sixto Sanchez was running good, a lot of people were uh, making those comparisons to just a dominant pitcher, but certainly rest in peace to not just Jose Fernandez, but of course the others that were involved, as you mentioned, in that accident. All right, so we are almost three weeks through the uh, fantasy football season. What has been the main story after two weeks? What has been, Who has been the star? Who has been the player that has wowed us? Uh, there, there really is. It's been everyone. So what has been the story? It has been the injuries. Are you kidding me? We lost the first pick in the draft, the second pick in the draft. I don't know if I'm going to have Adams this week. I don't know if I'm going to have Julio Jones this week. I'm not going to have George Kittle this week. Why are there so many injuries two weeks into the NFL season? I feel like there's always a couple, but are we going to be talking about eight or nine players in the first 24 picks not suiting up this Sunday in the NFL? You got to make some good decisions in fantasy, but I got to tell you, of all the things that I expected to happen, it was players not playing due to COVID, not being due to injury. That's for sure. That'll do it for our week. That'll do it for the show. Thanks again to Danny and, of course, our producer, Brett, for Joe Pizzapia. I'm Craig Mish. We'll talk to you again after the weekend. Stay safe. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.